Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. The audio experience for basketball officials. Serve the game. So now we go to the second principle. Referee the defense. Okay? Referee the defense. Look at the defender. The offensive player will not hit himself or herself. Okay? But you must be in position to referee the defense, but know what the offensive player is doing. And that's the tricky part of it. How's your family, Jose? My family is good. Thanks for asking. I've obviously heard your name and I remember your face and definitely seeing like the images from the Olympics, a couple pictures, but uh, looking to like, you know, double click on, on that and, and hear about your journey and everything you're, you're doing now. So uh, we'll get going. Um, just tell me a little bit about, about your background. I know you're, you're, you reside in Connecticut, but right now you're, you're working a league in Puerto Rico, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, I have been uh, a referee in the uh, Superior League, uh, the Pro League or Baloncesto Superior Nacional uh, for the last 32 years. Uh, I started very young here when I was 18. Uh, And then uh, when I moved to Connecticut in 2001, uh, I went to Connecticut because I was recruited as a teacher. Uh, that's my uh, educational background, a teacher. Uh, I uh, began teaching there, but because our league right here is in the summer, I was able to come uh, to uh, to Puerto Rico. Um, it has been uh, 32 good seasons here. So right now, uh, when I come, I uh, I stay at my mom's house. That is in the beautiful town of Luquillo. It's the east side of the island. Uh, and I spend the summer here. No, hey. I cannot hear you now. All right. That's usually Carmela's job uh, to tell me when I'm, I'm muted. But um, no, I was just saying my wife is uh, was born in, in Ponce. And we have uh, Shalem on the call who's uh, from Puerto Rico too. So, Yes, yes. Uh, I began, I began uh, refereeing... Uh, like I wrote to you when I was uh, 16 years old, or uh, 14, 14 when I was in middle school. Yeah, 14 when I was in uh, when I was in middle school, uh, but uh, in a group as an organi- organized uh, referee when I was 16, and then uh, I begin I began in the Superior League when I was, I was 18. I started very young. So uh, it has been 32 years, all this process. I am not 50 yet, close to in a couple of months, uh, but it has been a, uh, a, great, a great opportunity. It was, uh, it was Puerto Rico who um, gave me the, uh, the battleground, if we can say that, uh, to uh, learn my basics. Uh, we have uh, the, the basketball here, and mostly basketball, baseball are very uh, competitive here. So uh, we have to face situations that will help, no matter what. Uh, uh, I cannot say a good referee, but it will give you experiences that you have to deal with that can help you grow. Want to learn a little bit more about uh, uh, your officiating background. You're also currently working NCA, and uh, I see that you've been doing that since 2002. 
Yes, I began I began uh, refereeing in NCAA in 2002. Uh, my first Division One conference was the MIAC, uh, when Lou Grillo was the supervisor there. Uh, and then I moved the latter, uh, worked several conferences. Right now, my primary uh, conference is the American. I am in the Southern Eastern Conference Consortium. Uh, and uh, I have been blessed. Well, all my life as a referee, I have been blessed. Uh, I uh, have done uh, so far four NCAA tournaments uh, for different years. Uh, so it, it has been a, uh, a good journey. I know there's officials on the call and definitely some that are listening that are juggling multiple rule books. And we've always uh, we've asked this question to referees that we've had on that have done both. And you're obviously doing both on a high level, knowing the NSA men's rule book and, and the FIBA uh, rule book. So what are some tips that you have for officials that are listening on how they could kind of turn the switch on and off, depending on which level they're working that night? It is, it is very interesting uh, because right now the rule books are getting closer uh, in terms of uh, in terms of rules. Obviously our difference differences uh, but my my recommendation to uh, any official in this phone call is that you must read your rule book frequently. Uh, one question that I, I have for everybody who's listening to us today is, uh, what is your strength as a referee? Uh, in my case, in my case, one of my strengths is the rule knowledge. And it is because I like to read. Uh, you, you should have, and it's, and I have seen you uh, working very hard with this group of officials. Uh, I have seen uh, you have like a mentorship program. You should have a person in uh, person or people uh, that you work frequently uh, about rules. But but it is not it is not talking about rules. You must read it yourself. Jose Carrion, for example, is a visual person. Uh, you must, you must read the rule book. You must uh, associate uh, the uh, the casebook play, the interpretation plays, sometimes with somebody, with a person. Uh, and I'm going to I'm, I'm going to put you uh, an example. In, uh, in the NCAA, we have the uh, casebook. In FIBA, we have a document called the interpretation. And what are the interpretations? Are cases that were sent to the FIBA office uh, that Paul did it in New Jersey. And they, they said that the way Paul did it was the right way. And they want worldwide, everybody do it the same way. Well, it, it is the same that when a, a case book was sent and they said, well, Paul did probably was right for that game, but that's not the way we want it. We want this way to do it. So it's one way or the other. It's the same way with the NCAA case book. 
So for example, when I read, when I read a situation or a situation happen with me, because I'm gonna give you another tip. We referees, in my opinion, learn one or two ways, either because the play or the situation happened to us or because the play or situation happens to somebody else and we were able to see it, okay? So, for example, if I'm, I'm reading a casebook play and this play happened, I'm going to put a name that I of a person that I respect a lot in college basketball, James Breeding. And I am a visual person because the way you learn, it has an impact also how you, how you train yourself. I am a visual person. So if I'm reading this casebook play and I know that happened to, to breeding, I will put a, a note in my casebook, breeding play. And probably I don't know if that case was play 127. At the end of the day, I don't care. But I know that that play in the casebook happened to breeding. So when it, it, it when it came to when I come to when it comes to me in my game, I pop up immediately. Uh, it is for for visual person like me, uh, one of the worst things that could happen to you is that you remember the whole paragraph and the and the part of the sentence that you needed you cannot remember. Okay, and I don't know if you have visual person in in this phone call, uh, but. At least that's the way I learn. Uh, I uh, people in Puerto Rico used to call me, and I said used to call me because some of them have stopped because they call me and ask me about, for example, a situation, and probably I knew the answer, uh, but it is useless if I give you Paul the answer if you don't go and check first. If you go and check first and you call me and you said, Jose, this is the situation, this is what I read, and I still have doubt. Let's gonna talk about it. But I cannot give you the answer because when the situation happened to you, you will not have me and you cannot take your cell phone to call me. I'm gonna put another situation, another, another uh, not situation, but another uh, thing that you need to be aware of. When those when when any of these play rule play situation happens, you must resolve it efficiently in a timely manner. So you don't have time to you don't have time to sometimes to see to think deeply. You must react. And and if we in at any level, at any level the top rated officials or the top officials are are those who are able to resolve situations efficiently in a timely manner i don't know if i answered the question with that or yeah. i was too deep but. no i love your response to when you're getting asked about rule specific questions uh, because much like your answer, I give a similar answer and, and you just revert them back to the book. And then once they go back, then they can come back and we can re-engage in that conversation and talk about the application of that rule. But you can't trust a human being with rules. You can only trust the book because I, I was on the other end of that early in my career asking officials to give me the rules. 
you know, like asking them, oh, what's what's this rule? Now, that's I'm sure we've all asked that, but just not a great strategy to learn that rule because so much gets lost in translation and very difficult to learn verbatim everything that's in the book. We're trying to, to find the big chunks of things with our responses to coaches. But, um, yeah, so I, I definitely follow a similar uh, pathway with, with those questions. Um, great answer. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, if you have a question for Jose, put it through the chat. I will queue you up to, to ask it. Um, but I just want to look at a little bit more of what you sent me today. Cause I thought there was some great things to pull from, you know, one thing we're really trying to do with this mentor group is obviously people are here to learn, but we, we, uh, we want to inspire officials to want to teach and to want to be mentors themselves. And you had a great quote in, um, in what you sent to me today is how much you love to teach. And your quote was, if you want to learn, then teach. And and me being a teacher as well, when you teach, you're learning twice. So just talk about uh, that component of, of your career and, and teaching others. Well, I, my, my primary job uh, right now, I'm a full-time referee, but my primary job was as an educator. Um, uh, as an educator, you need to realize that you have diamonds in front of you. Your students are diamonds. And you are going to polish them through the school year through every, in every single class. Okay? Uh, and I can give you the information. I can give them the information. But it is my opinion that education is a dual process, okay? The same way uh, they are learning from me, I am learning from them. Uh, my, my last five or six years uh, in, a, in a classroom, I taught math, okay? Uh, because I had a minor and was the need in Connecticut in my system to, uh, to teach math. So I taught math. Uh, algebra and uh, my students at the beginning hate me because I did not allow them to use calculators okay I did not learn that way okay I I had to think and I have to put everything on paper okay and I always I always told my students the the answer is irrelevant to me okay I want to see your procedure, the process that you follow to get to the answer. If you get, if you write me the answer and you got it wrong, you have, let's say five points, you have five points off. But if you are able to write me the process, even though you don't get the answer correctly, I can give you three points, four points, because I'm able to see what you did and where your mistake was that probably did not give you the right answer is the same is the same in refereeing is the same in life sometimes we focus too much in my results in the final answer but the way you learn is through the process it is not the outcome because the outcome is not determined sometimes 
by us. And I'm going to give you an example that uh, that that is is similar every single summer in the states. Camp is camp time, okay? And in, and in camp, everybody wants to shine, and everybody wants to uh, get higher. Okay, I can put the job, and I guarantee you, every single official thinks that they will be higher. Okay, but that decision is not on us; it's in somebody else. And that person maybe love you, but at this particular year, 2022, you don't fit what they need, so he cannot hire you, even though he like you. Probably in 2022, things are, are different because most of the conferences right now are flat fee, so talking about college. But early in my career, and I have a good friend from New Jersey, actually, uh, Puerto Rican, that we talk a lot. And early in my career in the States, I realized this quote. Uh, Summer of illusions, fall of realities. Summer of illusions, fall of realities. I can be the best guy in summer. I can be higher. But when fall comes, if I don't receive any gains, it is summer of illusions, fall of realities. Uh, and I learned, like I said, that early and helped me to adjust to because uh, you're higher. Well, you're higher and I want 10 gains and I get five. Uh, or I can one, or I can, uh, I won five and I got one. And again, a lot of things in this business, in our business is completely out of our control. So we need to learn to enjoy the process, learn to do what is best for us and the success and the results will come. That was outstanding. Love that, man. Um, I want to I bounce around to uh, the Olympics. Um, I know you worked 2004, 2008, 2012 uh, Olympic Games. What are some of your most memorable experiences uh, from those times? Each one of them, each one of them uh, was a... Uh, a success in my career. Each one of them was different. Uh, for example, I got my FIBA license in 2001 after two failures. Okay. One of the, your question was about failures. Well, if you think, if you, if you deem that not passing the fitness test that is very difficult or stressful is a failure, well, I had two failures prior to got my license. So my first, my first uh, experience as a FIBA referee was in Greece in 2003. Okay. Uh, now, 2004 Olympics, I was not even hoping to be there because I only had one tournament in my, uh, in my belt or under my belt. So if you, if you, one, if you prepare for the opportunity, when the opportunity comes, you're late. Uh, we just had our camp this past weekend, and I told our guys, 
if you arrive on time, you're late. And probably most of you had heard that this quote before. If you are arrive on time, you're, you're late. If you try to prepare when the opportunity comes, you're late. You must be prepared. So that was my case in 2004. It was a situation, a political situation in FIBA, in where the top referees for FIBA were not able to go. So they went to, they came to America and they decided to invite 12 referees from America. And one of those 12 guys was Jose Carrion with only seven games as experience in FIBA. And every, every experience is unique. Uh, I remember, I remember when we got to the room and, uh, and the person who was in charge by then told us, I have and could be hard. This is what I'm going to say, but that was happened and that was a challenge for all of us. He said, I have, I have 30, 30 officials in front of me. Okay. From these 30 officials, I trust eight. And the other 22, I know who you are. I have worked with you before, not at this level. So you must earn your stripes to do the games. And the other part of the quote was, are referees for games and games for referees. Okay. Every person who assigns knows who are the most difficult games through the season. And before he use his pencil, he knows who he will assign to those games. So at every level is the same. Uh, my first game at the Olympic, it was my uh, one of the most memorable memorable moments in my career. I I had the opportunity to do the Argentina Yugoslavia game or Serbia at that time. It was the first time they met since the gold medal in uh, Indianapolis 2002 uh, in the World Cup that. The uh, then Yugoslavia beat Argentina in overtime. Okay, and the political uh, situation around that game was very difficult. The game is in YouTube. If if you ask me how I how I performed that day from one to five, uh, it was not close to five, not even four. Okay, but I have the blessing that that. I had the last play of the game and I had it right. Okay. Uh, Argentina inbounded the ball with 3.2 seconds, uh, down by one. Uh, it was a drive, a pass, a drive, and the point guard from Argentina passed the ball to Manu Ginobili and Manu released the ball, uh, at the buzzer and the ball went in. And I scored a basket. Uh, at that time, uh, we work a two-man system. We did not have the technology that we have today. We did not have the rules that we have today. So it was my judgment. And it was my experience. Where I learned how to solve those situations in Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh, and I had the play right. But it was a stressful situation, a completely stressful situation, how everything uh, works work out through the situation. Uh, so for that reason, it one, was one of the most memorable, memorable moments in my career. Uh, 
on that on that uh, first tournament, I did the uh, I did the uh, semifinal, the men's semifinal. Uh, it was Lithuania and Italy uh, that I recall right now. Then 2008 Olympics were in Beijing, China, and it those Olympics were were incredible to put it in a single word were incredible were amazing uh i worked uh on that tournament the uh bronze medal game argentina lithuania uh, bronze medal game in men's and then 2012 that were my last ones i went to uh london another another uh Jose, I just got to stop you real quick. I was hoping that you would have said that you worked the 2008 gold medal game because that's one of my favorite basketball games ever between USA and Spain. Well, uh, in uh, in uh, one thing that uh, is different in basketball than, for example, in baseball is that in basketball, FIBA, does not allow Puerto Ricans to work U.S. or U.S. officials to work to work Puerto Rico because we have the same passport. Okay, Puerto Ricans are U.S. citizens, so our passport is American passport. So in the regional tournaments, okay, in FIBA Americas tournaments, I probably will work U.S. Uh, but in the FIBA World Competitions, FIBA World Cups, uh, Olympic tournaments, I am not able to work U.S. Uh, but at the same time, that had helped me. And I'm going to tell you after I finish the Olympics. I was there. I was there. I saw the game between Puerto, uh, U.S. and Spain. Uh, actually, uh, one thing that I, I uh, joke with uh, Coach Uchesky is uh, because my time with FIBA World was on, uh, in the era of Coach Uchesky. He lost only one game, and it, and it was in the World Cup 2006. So if I was working well, and FIBA trust me, and I have to tell you that the person in charge of refereeing trust me, trust me. Uh, probably I was able to make the gold medal game. Probably you never know because you, you don't know what could happen. It's it's a lot of uh, things around that. Um, but because US won, I was not able to. So I, I always told. Uh, Coach Chesky, thank you very much. I was an official bronze medal game official because of you. Okay? Because you get to the championship game, I was not able to work. Actually, the two referees, the two referees who wore that game, that world uh, gold medal game, uh, U.S.-Spain, were the two referees who worked with me or I worked with them the quarterfinals. So we were together the quarterfinals. We were off on the semifinals and then they went to the gold medal game with another referee and I went to the bronze medal game with the other two referees. So that's that's the way it works. Uh, 
in terms of 2012, again, I repeated the bronze medal game, thanks God. And I was I was happy. I, I have to tell you, I was happy uh, because from from what could be a uh, an experience that you want to have a gold medal game that I had only once in my career in 2003 in Greece. From 2008 until this past year, I was hired by U.S. Basketball. Uh, to work with the U.S. men's national team to adjust them or to help them through the FIBA rules and through the FIBA officiating uh, war, if you want to say that. So for the last 13 years, I have been blessed to be working with the best referees, with the best athletes in the world all in one uh, in one room i remember in 2000 uh, i believe it was 2008 uh like you said that those olympics in uh, in china in beijing i was i worked with them in in vegas in the training session and i remember being in the same room with uh, kobe bryant with lebron james uh with all those those gentlemen and it was a unique experience in my career you know i love the collaboration between uh teams and bringing in officials to educate their players on rules interpretations staying out of foul trouble i think it's super smart um so what in what capacity again did you did you work with usa is this kind of a once a year thing out in vegas um how many like classes did you uh did you, you know, speak to them on um, where you at practice? Just talk about that a little bit. It was it was one session, one session. Uh, the first day, uh, we were together in a room, and we were over the rule differences between the NBA and FIBA. And then, based on that, sometimes we have me and the other FIBA referees who were involved. Uh, we had a one-on-one session with the coaches, so they prepared for the drills. Uh, one one drill that I I remember Coach Chesky uh, had, and the players were into it, and they were very competitive because you can say whatever you want, but when those guys has practices and scrimmages, uh, those those are sometimes more intense than games. And I remember he had a drill in where each each team started the quarter with two fouls. Okay, and obviously in FIBA, and I don't know obviously, but if if in um, if you don't know in FIBA we play four quarters of ten minutes. Okay, and the bonus, the penalty is on the fifth, so you can commit up to four fouls. On the fifth is penalty. So the drill was two fouls to start, and the first one who go to bonus is eliminated, and we go we come for the next one. So when you ref those type of athletes on that at that level at that comp at that uh, competence, if you want to say that among them, a foul must be a foul. Okay, 
You cannot, you cannot joke around with them because they don't care if it's a scrimmage or not. So it, it was, it was a great experience. We had uh, scrimmages every day. Uh, in Vegas, usually were uh, five to seven days. In where then they had a practice, a practice game, white against blue most of the time, and then they go to different cities around the United States, or they bring teams uh, from around the world to uh, Vegas to play. And I was one of the referees, so it it it, it was a uh, it was a great experience. At the same time, right now that you mentioned difficult difficult times in my career, I remember I was co- I was close to Paul George when he had his injury in Vegas. Actually, uh, on that play, I remember the play clearly. I call a foul on him, against him, when when the situation happened, and I remember uh, the center official on that play. When, when the situation happened, it was a complete silence on the court. 10,000 10, people in uh, uh, Thomas Mack in, in, uh, in Vegas, complete silence. And I remember my center official walking to me, covering his face. and uh, it, it was incredible. I did not see the play until I got to the airport. I had a red eye that night. Uh that's when I saw the play, uh, but it's one of the most shocking uh, situation that had happened in my career. But in general, uh, the experience uh, was great. Appreciate you sharing that, and uh, we're glad that Paul George made a full recovery and still yeah. get still getting a lot of buckets. So, um, you know, we're all Jose. We're all here to learn. We're all always looking for new ways to learn about officiating, about what we love to do. Um, whether it's you know new conversations, and that's the great thing about the game is it it offers so much uh, newness to it. Like there's just always a play to talk about. There's always a situation to talk about. Um, what do you think is something that we don't talk about very much that is required for success? That we don't talk a lot. Well, we talk we talk a lot, a lot of things. I'm gonna put it. I, I would like to put it in a positive way. Okay. Now, we can give we can give the meal to a referee, but we cannot eat for eat for him or her. Okay. If you want if you want to be a a better referee, or if you want to improve in your career. You must, you must, you must dominate the tape, okay? You must watch yourself. I said before, we learn one or two ways because the plays happen to us or because the play happened to somebody else, okay? Uh, And you must dominate your tape. You must learn how to break down your tape. You must be your worst critic. And I am my worst critic, sometimes sometimes completely unnecessary, but that's the way I am. And you must watch games. Watch games, watch games, watch games, because that's way that way you are able to improve faster, in in my opinion. Uh, you must 
dominate the rules, like I said before. Period. Is is I don't I don't want no one no one to uh, tell me what to do in a game in terms of I will not re I don't want to rely on Paul to tell me how I'm going to solve this situation. Uh, one of the best compliments I, I have received uh, from a top referee, a NCAA top referee in the States was, I don't know if you're going to give me the right answer, but I have to tell you this, you are not afraid to provide the answer. Okay? And, and when, when you were with veterans, and, and probably your people have heard this before, and I know they have, because I heard some of your podcasts before. When you are a veteran referee, the best thing that can happen to you is to have a young official who dominates the rule. And when you're going to make the mistake, that person step up. And probably that person will not tell you you are wrong. But that person, the only thing could have is asking you a question. Paul, are you sure on that? Oh, uh, do do whatever you want to do it, but because you're the crew chief, that's, this is a phrase, phrase I use a lot. You're the crew chief, I will follow your lead. But for your information, the rule is this, okay? Now, you must, again, I said before, rule knowledge, you must be 100% sure that you're right. Because if that person relies on you, okay, and you're right, probably you could have one, two, three, four more games uh, adding to your schedule. At the same time, that probably you could have the same quantity of games <laughs> that you have right now. Probably will not, you will not lose assignments, but if you do it right and you provide that information to that person and you are the crusader that night, uh, then you will help yourself. So it's, it's not what we, we can give to people is that what people are willing to do for themselves. It's a lot of, it's a lot of information out there. This, this page, this podcast that you are doing, this service, I'm going to put it this way, this service that you are doing for these officials who are following you. Okay. You are doing it for them. You are doing it for yourself because I guarantee you that you are learning equal or more than them, okay? Because you are bringing people, top referees in the United States. The list, the list in your postcard is, is incredible. NCAA, NBA, and you are learning the same way that everybody in this phone call are, uh, is learning. Now, it's up to each one of us what we are going to do because it's like in, in education if you think if you think uh, uh about education they change the name of the strategy but the strategy is the same in education probably nothing is invented okay it is it is there but somebody comes and they change the name of the strategy and boom but it is, I learned 20 years ago that if I want to improve my mechanics, I need to use a mirror, okay? And with, and with 
30 years refereeing, I practiced my mechanics in the mirror. I remember when I was in college, I have a friend who, when we talk about the past, he said, I thought you were crazy at college. You work on the sideways reporting your thoughts because the way you see yourself is the same way you're going to project yourself. The same way I, I, I heard many, many, many years ago, uh, the first time I heard was from the Vicky supervisor of officials now, Johnny Kell. I don't remember why Johnny uh, said something about the mirror, but it's true. You can fool everyone in the world, but two people, God and the person in the other side of the mirror. And that's true. What I'm, what I'm giving you and your people tonight, Paul, is I start my refereeing career from zero, zero. I never play sports, zero. I don't have any experience, but I can tell you this. I was a good student, okay? So what I put on my toolbox are tools that somebody else, somebody else gave me, and I have it there when I need it. I don't remember when was the last time the last time that I uh, remember if I want to say that or use Johnny Kell quote. It came to my mind right now while I'm talking to you. I did not write it on the paper that I uh, that that I that I respond to you earlier today, but that's true. Some I remember it was in New Jersey in an Iago convention. He used the mirror example. You can fool everybody but God and the other person on the other side of the mirror, okay? The way you see yourself, the way you project yourself is the same way that people will see you. Our job, our job is negative. Who, who wants to be single out making mistakes? No one. Your children doesn't want to do it. You don't want to do it. You hate when your boss do it to you. But let me ask you this. It's not that the job of the referees. That's what we do. We blow our whistle every single time that we deem that somebody make a mistake. That's our job. Okay? So at the end of the day, they don't, probably they don't hate us. They hate our duty. Okay? So we have to project ourselves with strength that when we do what we love to do, because I have to tell you that too, you must love this. You have strength. You have confidence. You have respect that you gain the respect, but you are not embarrassed. Nobody. You are doing what you have to do. Period. It's. I don't know if I am too deep right now also here. So, Jose, so I'm not crazy for putting out all of these signaling and foul reporting videos then, right? I do it. I do it. I just had a game last night, and I was watching how, how I report. If my signal were high, if my signals were low, uh, one thing that, uh, that uh, FIBA is going to right now is use the voice. I remember when I started in FIBA, 
that my colleagues told me, you're crazy, why are you yelling? Well, right now in FIBA, they want us to report with your hands and use your voice. I learned that in the States when I got here in 2002. And, and the, if you practice correctly, if you practice correctly, you will get close to perfection. You will not be perfect, but you will be excellent. Okay. One, one, one question that I asked earlier, and I recommend each one of, of your, of our listeners tonight was, what are your strengths? What was your strength as a referee? In my case, I just mentioned before the rule knowledge. Well, the second one is my mechanics. I think I have good mechanics. I practice my mechanics. I, I am. Um, I want to be sharp the way I put my fingers, the distance. It's why it is my opinion. And I told our campers this past weekend, with a good signaling, you can sell a bad call. The same way that with a bad signaling, you can destroy a good call. Okay. It, it, and, and what is our signaling? What our signaling is, we blew our whistle, we have a dead ball, and everybody wants to see, everybody wants to see what this crazy referee saw, okay? So now you cannot go to the table and you can't, and you are gonna say that the guy hit him here and that never happened. The contact was here. It was a foul, it was a foul, but it was not here. So your credibility with a good call goes down immediately. How many times, how many times we as officials in a, in a drive to the basket, in a close play that we had a close angle, that we end with a block shot, we blew we blow our whistle and we came with the push. Okay. As soon as I see that, and one of my duties, right? I'm not a FIBA active referee anymore. Uh, I have been blessed to be uh, nominated as a uh, supervisor. So I evaluate referees right now. When I see that, that referee in a drive to the basket, blow his whistle in contact and come with a push, I said, he gets. I don't have to, I don't have to go to the table. I said, he guessed. Because we think that going with a push, we can sell that. And sometimes the distance is like this. Okay. Sometimes the distance is like this. So again, with a good mechanic, you can sell a bad call the same way that with a bad mechanic, you can destroy a good call and your credibility can go to the ground. A lot of great stuff in there. Um, we have some great questions coming through the chat. Uh, Shalem, why don't you unmute, wants to know about your rules process. Go ahead. Hello, Jose. Uh, Buenas noches, how are you? Buenas noches, como estas? Um, I wonder, first of all, if you're here, who's going to referee the game in Puerto Rico tomorrow? It's the final. Well, well, 
it is not me because I did game two. I I did not mess it up, so I hope at least to have one more. Yes, sir. So like I, like I like you were saying, like uh, you know, I'm also a visual learner. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, just like you. And like like some of the things that I have here, I don't know if you can see that, but I like, I have like the uh, simplify and illustrated like rules. That that's what I get for uh, high school, you know. And I got the same thing for the mechanics. So it's like mechanics and illustrated because like I can see the rule and then I can see like the illustration of that rule. And like it breaks it down like picture one, two, three. So that like helps me because I am a visual learner and I'm also a hands on person. So kind of like what you were saying, when things happen to me, like I always remember that. Right. But like you said, some of the most important things is like uh breaking down the tape right uh of your of your game so what the question that i asked in the chat was you know what is a good method as a visual learner like you are that you use that is effective you know when reviewing your footage sir when reviewing my footage uh well the first the first thing is uh the worst the uh, the less importance is if i got it right or wrong Okay, and I think probably that's in two seconds. In two seconds, I can go. I got it right. I got it wrong. I am. I am the type of person who believes that if you have to, if if you have to rewind your tape more than two times to to validate that you had it right, you got it wrong. Okay, it is watch it. Why? Because when we are on the court. Do we have the time to re to stop the play and replay the play? No, we don't. It is the play happened. We make our judgment. It use at least I use the same strategy when I'm watching the tape. I watch the tape once. I watch the tape twice. Either I got it right or I got it wrong. Okay. Now, when I am watching the tape, I want to see my position. Okay. I want to see not only my positioning but where my eyes are okay did i receive the play or i react to the play okay uh and when i when what i want to mean here is this sometimes we blow our whistle because we react to the play not because we see the play okay so were my, were my eyes ready to to blow the whistle or I turn my head at the moment to blow my whistle. Uh, one thing that I learned uh, is, and I'm still learning, is do not blow on contact, okay? If you blow on contact, you will get it wrong, okay? Because that means that you did not have the time to digest the play. How, to, how you can develop that? Referring. And watching tape, refereeing at watching tape, refereeing at watching tape. Uh, when I began, when I began refereeing in the Superior League in Puerto Rico, uh, I was 18 by then, and I have the opportunity to uh, establish a good relationship with a young NBA referee, Ted Bernhardt, and Ted invested in me. Okay, he he taught me by then how to break down tape. Actually, one day he said, your running is awful. Let's go into practice your running because it's 
projection. Our job is perception, okay? Most of the time, people are going to judge us even before we blow our whistle, okay? So all these things are points that I watch when I'm watching tape, okay? How I react after I blew my whistle, how I rep my dead ball, did I, because it's not the same that I, that I ref a black and white plate, okay? A, a plate, a plate that a blind person can call, if we can say that, than a plate that is a hard foul that you probably will have a reaction. So I cannot run, I can, the mechanic said that I need to go fast and report. No, that's an exception to the rule. If we have a hard foul, I have to stay there because any action has a reaction. So I need to avoid any retaliation, if I can say that. So how, how I manage that? Did I wait for my partner to arrive to my spot to cover me? How I run? How I report? All these things. All these things. Did I put... One thing that sometimes we make mistakes. Did I put... If we don't have free throws, did I put the play, the ball in the right place? In college, because we were that... Well, I don't want to say that. I don't want to get in trouble. Because we were inconsistent in putting the ball in play, now we have four spots. And sometimes we make mistakes with that too. Now, you, if we have a foul in the front court, we will put the ball in play in one of these four spots. So all these things are are details that I check when when I watch when when I watch tape. Okay. Again, if I got it right, I got it wrong. Sometimes it's, it's irrelevant to me. Is is the whole package. In terms of uh, in terms of the rule book, I used to uh, I use a lot of highlights, uh, the highlighters, and at the same time I have a sharpie pen and a ruler, and probably I use the highlighter and above I use a uh, a nice uh, ruler line with my sharpie and I write notes. Like I said before, this play happened to Paul. I'm gonna put. Paul play and the play happened in uh, Hofstra. Hofstra play with Paul, and it's things that I have it in my in my toolbox. One thing that helped us a lot, guys, is the cell phone. Okay, instead of gossiping and use uh, text to or WhatsApp to criticize each other, use the note session and and put and write write things. In, in your notes that probably you can download it later to your computer and can help you. And have a diary of plays that happen, interesting plays that happen. It's the same with video clips. Right now in Division One we have DVD, DVS Sports. You can cut every single play that you uh, that you uh, had ref, and actually they do it for you. Uh, they have synergy. You you have you can have your all uh, your own uh, toolbox of plays. Uh, these plays happen to me this season, and you can t- categorize it, categorize them. Uh, again, re- re- recalling what I told uh, Paul before, the tools are there. It's up to the referee to decide to use it for 
him or his benefit, him or her benefit. Another question coming from Connor from Ohio. Connor, go ahead. Thanks for being here tonight, Jose. Yeah, my question was about uh, communication. How do the officials in the Olympics effectively communicate with players and coaches if there is a uh, language barrier? Um, good evening, and thanks for uh, for listening. Uh, now, more than before, okay, if you want to be a FIBA referee, you must learn uh, English. You must speak English. Okay. Uh, so most of the time, uh, most of the referees knows at, at least the basics in English. And, uh, I remember actually I was talking with about this a couple of days ago. Uh, you have teams who does not, uh, speak English, but they have an interpreter, for example. Lithuania, I remember I, I did a lot of game with Lithuania. They did not speak English, but they have an interpreter. Actually, the, uh, the former, uh, the son of the former, uh, Dallas Maverick, uh, coach, Don Nelson, Donnie Nelson was the interpreter. So when you need to communicate with them, you use an interpreter, but English is a must. Okay. Uh, again, in my case, Really, really, my English knowledge helped because some Spanish speaker colleagues were not able to speak. So I was the translator. Okay. And I did not look for it, but that gave you, that gave you probably another perspective on the assigner because you were able you were that person who was able to communicate between a non between a spanish non-english speaker and an english speaker so probably when when that situation happened and they know that connor knows that well connor fit here because he will help me to translate between these two guys okay and to be honest i took advantage of that Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Fellow uh, FIBA official Patrick from Ireland getting ready to transition to the States. <clears throat> and with the NCA, he has a question for you. Yeah, Patrick. Um, my question was just more about like swapping between signal sets. So personally, I keep instinctually going to a non-sportsmanlike fell even in America. Um, how does that look like going for you between the superior league and the ncaa well i learned many years ago again another tool in my toolbox when you are in rome you do what the romans do okay so i i try to do in the ncaa what the ncaa ncaa requested okay uh sometimes sometimes uh my my unsportsman life foul came frequently but then i i adjusted again when in rome you do what the romans do and you don't try to bring attention to yourself i don't know if that uh if that helps you appreciate it you're welcome pat did you have another question for him 
it wasn't a, a question to to get your FIBA license uh, in FIBA Europe anyway. You have to do an English test now as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, and in America, you have to do it too right now. Very interesting. Very interesting. We have another question from Dion checking in from Atlanta. How you doing, Dion? Good evening, guys. Um, Thank you for for all this information. Really helping me out. Um, My question is, uh, I heard uh, Mark Davis say one time that that when you're a referee and you're on the court, there's constant internal dialogue. Um, that you have to go through when players are coming to you, players are going away from you, transition. Uh, what are some things that you do to stay focused and what are you saying to yourself um, during the game to stay focused? I try to I try to talk to myself through the game. Uh, something s- simple as white is offense, blue is defense, uh, I like to watch the clocks a lot. Uh, I have three team fouls. I have one team foul. I have 14 fouls. Uh, I like to watch the score. Okay. Uh, all those things, all those things, uh, will help me. Uh, one thing that, uh, it is very important, uh, when, when you're refereeing is to try to listen first. When a question is asked to you, instead of trying to respond because you think what the person is going to ask you. So it's very important that you listen first. Okay. But in terms of your question, the self talk, the self talk, uh, during timeouts, I like to talk with my partners. It's not only for looking around the court, but also uh, we can help each other, uh, and uh, we can ask. I can ask you, for example, what do you think about my last play? In in uh, if if we make a mistake, for example, I probably will address in a in a question man manner. And if it's a if a play with me, I will I will bring it first. And then that way I can diffuse if I need to talk about my partner's place. Uh, one thing we need to remember is that we are partners on the court. We are not evaluators. Okay. And we can, I cannot, I cannot necessarily judge, uh, your call because mechanically speaking, you have an angle different than mine. Okay. Uh, but those those are tools that I that I use on the court. Oh, do you mind if I ask one more question? Absolutely, yeah. Could you could you uh, talk about a, a moment or an experience that, uh, as an official that I, I, I like to think we're only as good as our last call? Um, speak to a, a, an experience to where you were possibly like humbled or you were kind of like knocked back down to reality and. Like I said before, like I said before, I am my worst critiquer and my I am my worst enemy. Uh, and I hate to make mistakes. Okay. Uh, I remember, I remember 
now now in Puerto Rico that I have more experience, I am uh, I have the flexibility to to say things that probably a young officials cannot do. Uh, but I remember that I remember and and I told an owner last year uh, if I don't want me, if I don't want to make mistakes, I will sit where you are. Okay. What that means is I'm a human being and I know and probably you you always you also know that when you make the decision and you have the courage to step into the court, you're gonna make mistakes. Okay. Now you need to you need to forgive yourself when you make a mistake. One quote that I read from uh, uh, from Joey Crawford. Joey Crawford said, uh, ref play by play and forget what happened in the previous play. Okay. One of the worst things that can happen to any of us and probably, probably had happened to a lot of people in this phone call is that you think that you had a play wrong. Okay. And because you think you, you had the play wrong, you carry that play and you make two or three mistakes because of that play and when you go to the tape the play that you thought you got it wrong you got it wrong you got it right now you have two mistakes because of the previous error that you thought it was an error and it was okay mistakes will happen mistakes will happen when those mistakes happen we must learn to forgive ourselves and when you are honest with yourself and when you're honest with the players and with the coaches, they will respect that. If you think that you got it wrong, admit it. Paul, it was a difficult play. This is what I saw. What did you see? Ask them, what did you see? Well, I, I saw this. Okay. If what you said happened, I got it wrong. Or if you know 100% sure that you're wrong, admit it. You got it wrong. What a coach or a player can tell you if you admit that you're wrong? Nothing. Time for the question. Dion, sorry I missed you last week in Georgia. We were pretty close to working together. I didn't have any uh, any of my uniform, but Dion was ready to, to lend me the, the, whole, the whole gear, the whole set. But uh, we'll have to plan a little bit better for the Chris- Christmas time. I'll be back down, so we'll make it happen. <laughs> uh, Got to staying in Georgia. We have uh, Pedro, my friend Pedro Rodriguez. Thank you for coming, and uh, please unmute and ask Jose a question. Hey, Jose, how are you? I'm doing fr- fine, Pedro. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I had a question for you. You did. Uh, you mentioned earlier about um, working on your run. Uh, as a fellow official who also has been told to work on my run, what are some of the things you did to do that? Well, I uh, watching tape, watching tape, uh, you need to look fit and you need to look apart and you need to look strength in your run. So especially for the people who are tall, Sometimes we tend to bend instead of being straight. So in my case, Teddy Bernhardt helped me. Uh, 
we went to practice several times, but also you can find a, a coach or a person who's a runner and he can help you in techniques, how you move your hands, okay? How to move your legs, uh, for example. Uh, if you want to, I don't know if you have heard this before, but uh, if you want to impress in summertime, if you're able to hustle from 12 to late, you you are very close to pass what is called the eye test uh, for the uh, for the supervisor or the technicians. Okay, the, the you're running from 12 to late. It has to be faster than anybody else, and you must be ready to accept the play. So. Uh, I have heard of people who tend to use his, I think that's, this is the way to be done, his, his stronger leg in front so they can push themselves. Uh, and that's what I heard. Uh, so it are different, are different ways, are different techniques, but you can see how, again, how do you project yourself? when you watch tape how you how you look strong how you look big and if you are big how you don't small yourself down so that's that's the way in my opinion i don't know if i answered the question but pedro how's your run looking in summer of 2022 give me an update Coming along, I, you know, I've been working on it more. It's, it's not perfect. I mean, you saw me, I can't this summer, so trying some old habits kick into play when you got the, when you need to accelerate. Hey, are you ready? Definitely much, much improved, and you got the frame for it. It's just a matter of time. So you look like a fr- freak athlete. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to we'll go back to Connor. I love it. Connor, you got another question? See him raising his hand over there in the chat. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, so what is the process to become a FIBA official for us here in the States? Can you just talk about that a little bit? If you want to be a FIBA referee in the state, you need to contact U.S. Basketball. Uh, that's the uh, organization who is the liaison between uh, U.S. and FIBA. The FIBA license process is now every two years. Uh, and what happened is you uh, submit your interest, they evaluate your application, and if you are uh, accepted, then you will go through the FIBA process, uh, licenses process, that actually will start right now in uh, January of 2023, to March of 2023 uh, for the 2023-2025 uh, two years period. In the past were four years, right now are two years. Uh, how many how many spots? It will depend on the classification of each country. Uh, U.S. is number one, so FIBA uh, FIBA will grant more licenses to the U.S. than probably in other countries. If you want to become a FIBA referee, you must pass the uh, FIBA fitness test. That is the BIP test uh, in where you need to do 86 laps of 20 meter, uh, 86 laps 
in 10 minutes and you must pass the uh, written test. Jose, you have some uh, great um, bullets at the bottom of your email. Do you have a little bit more time for us to go through those? Yes, sir. Okay, great. So for everybody that's listening on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, we appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. If you want to hear the full episode, you can go over to Patreon. Thank you for listening to the Crown Refs Podcast. Serve the game. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, and sorry to cut this episode short, but if you'd like to listen to this full-length episode, as well as our entire catalog of new content, including 50 new episodes of our podcast, you can find it on the Patreon app, or go to patreon.com backslash crownrefs. Have a great day.